morning, Victory Church. How you doing? So good to see you this morning. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. If you're visiting with us this morning, let us just say welcome. Thank you for joining us. I understand it's fall break. So how many are y'all traveling? Anybody traveling for fall break? Anybody getting on the road? And one of us. There we go. All right. And so fall break obviously doesn't have the power that spring break has. But listen, I want to take a moment and just shout out growth track for a second. Today, we have 10 potential new people joining or they'll graduate growth track. They'll join the dream team. They'll be able to start serving in their purpose, impacting other people. One of the things we like to say around here is you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. So come on, you can give them a hand. There you go. Just because I don't clap don't mean you can't clap. So we're super, as, as we like to say right here, we're super excited about that, ready for them to graduate and kind of start serving kids, production, worship, first impressions, wherever it might be. Uh, and we got a few that started last week because you can start whenever. So if you're here with us, maybe you're visiting or maybe you've been coming for a while and just haven't had the opportunity to get connected, listen to me. You can jump and grow track right now today. 301, we'll break down the uh, leadership process that we do here at Victory Church. Uh, it would be about 30, 35 minutes. We'll watch the kids for you while you go. So I like to say it's kind of like a cheap date, if you know what I mean. Like you can just go for 30, 35 minutes, hold hands while you listen, and uh, we'll watch your crazy kids during the process. So yeah, if you want to know more about the church, you want to get connected, go ahead and jump in that. We'll start it again next week with one-on-one. We're just excited about what God's doing right here. Smyrna, Tennessee, Victory Church, eight months Old church, that's what I'm talking about. Come on, give God a hand real quick. Eight months old and what he's doing in this place. Hey, you ready for the word? If you got your Bible, open up to the book of John, book of John chapter 8. When we started this series, we've kind of looked at Jesus through different perspectives. If you remember the very first week, we looked at Jesus through the eyes of Matthew. And then the next week, we looked at Jesus through the eyes of Mark. And then for the past two weeks, we've looked at Jesus through the eyes of Luke. And we'll bring it to an end today looking at Jesus through the eyes of John. And so John chapter 8, so if you got your actual paper Bible, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, boom. There's John. Also notes on the app and the verses will be behind me on the slides. We encourage you to take notes. We encourage you to bring your Bible, be able to highlight Mark in there. As Pastor Brian said, we are bringing the series Greatest Show to a close. Today is the finale. Everybody say, oh, oh, if you really love this series. Um, when, we, when we started this series, the reason why we called it The Greatest Show is because we wanted to look at the irresistible Jesus. That's kind of the way I like to put it, the irresistible Jesus. If you study Christ in the New Testament, people who were nothing like him wanted to be around him. He was just irresistible. People just wanted to be around him. And it was interesting because not only did we see that, but then we see today how the church tends to be so resistible. So you have Jesus who was irresistible, and his church tends to be resistible. And I was wondering where the missing point is. In the Bible, you've got people tearing up roofs to get to Jesus. And nowadays, you've got people climbing out of windows to get away from the church. You know what I mean? And so there's kind of a, a disconnect there. And we brought this statement out. Maybe, just maybe, we've become so infatuated with the show that we've missed the message. And so we wanted to return to the message, and that message is this. The message of Jesus is grace. And so for the past four weeks, we've been breaking down grace and what that means, and we just believe now, and church, this is what I want you to believe, that the church is most effective when the message of grace, grace is most evident, okay? The church, we will be the most effective in our friends and our family and our coworkers' lives when the message of grace is most evident. And so... As we continue this morning, we're going to look at a story about a woman that gets caught in a pretty awkward situation, and we're going to be able to see how Jesus speaks grace to this. So John chapter 8, verse 3 
says, as he was speaking, he being Jesus, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Okay, let's go ahead and be real clear. Jesus is somewhere like this. He's speaking. And these men roll up with a woman who has been act in the, or caught in the act of adultery. She probably didn't have time to get dressed, right? And so this is a really awkward situation that we got going on. So try to, don't put yourself in the story, but try to really understand what's happening. He's in the middle of teaching, and here come these guys dragging this woman in, right? And they throw her at, throw her at his feet, and they put her in front of the crowd, and they say, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now I have one quick question. How did they catch her in the act of adultery? You know what I'm saying? We won't spend too much time on that, but you'll think about it later. Okay. So the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? The law says to kill her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him. It's a trap house. They're trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Then Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So in John 8, you have this really strange intersection of grace and truth. They, they, they just meet right in the middle. And, and what does Jesus do? Because let's be honest. If Jesus chooses grace, he tramples on the law. But if Jesus chooses the law and truth, he tramples on the woman. So which one does he choose? What's the process here? And this tends to be us today. Most people tend to do one of two things. They either lean more towards truth but don't understand grace, or they lean towards grace at the expense of truth. And so we're constantly in this tug-of-war battle of which one is it? Is it grace or is it truth? Is it truth or is it grace? What do I do? In this situation, do I produce truth or, or do I present grace? In this moment, do I present grace or, or do I present truth? What's going to happen at this intersection? And I want to show you this morning that Jesus is teaching us that it's both grace and truth. There is no or. It's not in this moment, do I show grace or do I show truth? Do I show truth or do I show grace? It's not, hey, I'm a grace guy. You truth people need to chill out and put the signs down. It's not, I'm a truth guy. You or truth guy. You grace people need to quit walking in daisies. You know what I mean? It's truth and grace. So let's start with number one. Why grace? Why, why grace? Okay. Truth is easier to understand than grace is. It is. Truth is very black and white. And we struggle a lot of times with grace being black and white. And, and, and this is why you see this in the verses where the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they come in and they say, the law of Moses says to stoner. Here's truth. We got truth. <laughs> what we don't understand is grace, right? The law says to stoner. Be done with her. Boom, there it is. And I love Jesus. I always said this. Jesus was like a gangster with a capital G. You know what I mean? He was just an OG. And so he, they're demanding an answer is what the Bible says. And when I heard that, I immediately thought about my kids when they're going, Dad, 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 Dad. Anybody got kids like that? Dad, Father, Father, 
dad, dad. What? They're demanding an answer. So that's what you got. Jesus, 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 Jesus. What? So then it says that Jesus stood up, right? That's when you know it's about to get real. Jesus stood up. And again, he says, all right. All right. We'll do what the law says. All right. We'll stone her. Stone her dead right here. But, but. The only person or the person in here who has never sinned has to throw the first stone. Tell you, gangster, capital G. I love that in this situation, Jesus begins to demonstrate the same grace that we've been talking about for four weeks now. Jesus shows us, watch this, the butt of grace. I thought America have so many fun names for this, right? You know, uh, Jesus' butt, right? Jesus shows his butt, the butt of grace. I like big butts and I cannot. Like, you know, you can just do all kinds of, like, crazy thing, titles for that. But it, but it is. Jesus just shows the butt. There, there it is. It's the butt of grace. It's what we've been talking about. Let me show you. For example, we talked about how uh, it's the fact that I get to inherit the kingdom is not because I'm good, but because I'm what? His. Okay, and we also learned that uh, I don't get the hell that I'm deserve that I deserve, but I get the heaven that He did, right? Or, or, or grace is not about me cleaning myself, but it's about the dirtiest of me touching the righteousness of Him. It's the butt of grace all throughout the Bible. If you want to find grace, look for the butt. Wherever the butt is, there's grace because there's the law, but then there's the butt. <laughs> I know this is awkward. Don't go tweeting this without context. But it's true. Listen to me. The butt of grace is the hope we need. I don't know about you. I don't need religion to remind me that I'm bad. I know I'm bad. What I need is grace to be that butt that reminds me that there's hope that I can be better. They throw this woman at Jesus' feet. And don't, don't think for one second Jesus doesn't know her. It's Jesus. He's 100% man. He's 100% God. He knows her. He knows, exa- he knows all about her. He knows how they knew she was in adultery, which is what a whole stone concept came from to begin with. How do you even know her? Mm-hmm. It wasn't your week, so you want to bust her out. You know what I mean? So he knows all about her. And he knows what she did, but he knows what he's about to do. Okay, let me say it again. He knows what she did, but he knows what he, Christ, is about to do. He knows what we did, but he knows what he did. He knows what we do, but he knows what he did. Hear me. I'm going to give you a statement. It's on the note, it's on the app in case you can't write it down, but you need to get this into your spirit for the future when you get into arguments with people about grace and truth. You ready? Listen to me. Grace does not ignore truth. That's what people think. Grace ignores truth. Grace doesn't ignore truth. Grace fulfills the demand of truth. Okay? It doesn't ignore it. It just fills the demand for it. One night... uh, Occasionally, Darla will, will say, hey, babe, you know, you've been busy, you've been working, and kids been crazy. Go, go see a movie. I love movies. I love watching movies. It doesn't even matter. I just, it's just a fun experience. Right? I get the popcorn, watch the movie. And so she would say, hey, it's night. You know, the kids are in bed. Go, go, go watch a movie. And um, 
I called up a friend of mine, and, and we went to the movie, and he ended up getting there before me, and so he bought my ticket. And if you've been to a movie theater recently, which I'm sure you have, you buy the ticket, and you kind of go beyond, like, the little, you know, little security area, and now you're into where, like, the concessions are and stuff. So without your ticket, you can't get from, the, you know, this side to that side. you got to have your ticket. So I'm running late, and I really like to watch previews, so I'm, like, running, and I know he's already got my ticket, and so I come in, and the line is really long, because some big movie had just come out, or some probably superhero movie, and the line's really long, I'm looking, and I, and I see my friend, and he waves to say, hey, I got your ticket, and so I go, oh, so I go around the line, and I'm going towards the entrance, and I go to walk in, and somebody in the line sees me, they don't know me, but they see what I'm doing, and they go, hey, and they point me out, and now there's a security guard there, right? And he goes, hey, what do you think you're doing? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm from Memphis, man. Don't step on me, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we will go. Um, and, and so I'm like, what? What's it? And he goes, you just think you can ignore all this? And I'm like, no. My, and I pointed at my friend. I said, my friend's already bought my ticket. And he goes, oh. And I'm like, yeah, oh. Yeah, I didn't do that. But uh, that would not be grace-like. And so um, I explained it to him. Plus, he had a gun, so you don't play with people like that. And so he goes, okay, go in. And at that moment, I was reminded of that story when I'm thinking, listen, I didn't ignore the law. I didn't come in and go, Psh, I don't have to do this, <laughs> you peons who stand in line to buy your tickets. I didn't, have to, I didn't ignore the system, but I had a relationship that had already fulfilled the system. See what I mean? And so grace is the relationship you have with Jesus that already fulfills the demand that law put out there. So it's not you ignoring law. If you celebrate grace, you don't hate law. It's just you understand that you were never going to be able to fulfill the law. Never. There was a point where God said, you know what? They're never going to be able to do this. And so I'm going to send my son to do this, to fulfill that law. He's going to be the big but situation because I'm God and I never step back from what I say. And I made the law, but... They can't follow or fulfill the law, so I will give my son to fulfill the demands of the law so that by grace, we can go into heaven and experience God for all eternity. Right? So I love this. So Jesus, after this whole process, Jesus stoops down again with this lady, and the Bible says that he begins to write in the dust. And there was a couple of things I thought were interesting, and I'm just going to tell you how when I read the Bible. So it says, he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, see that? You ever heard anybody writing before? I haven't. I've heard someone real angrily scribble, but I, I never heard writing. And I was reading this, and I'm like, What's, what, you know, God, how do they hear your writing? And I felt the Lord tell me this. They didn't physically hear me. They spiritually heard me. Because, listen, truth hears grace. You got to get that. If you have children, you know what it's like when other people call your kid's name and they ignore them? Like Veda, Veda. And they're, ah. And then all of a sudden I go, Veda. And she, because she knows her daddy's voice. Truth hears grace. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus spoke a better word. Truth hears grace. It's so important. So then he starts to write. And the, the question for all time for every preacher, Bible reader, theologian, the question's always been, what did he write? What did he write? And I, I don't have the answer. If I did, we would, we would sell it and, and you know, we get 
a building. But, you know, it, I, don't, I don't have that secret. And, and, and so, but there are multiple assumptions, and there's this guy, one theologian's assumption, and I love his assumption. So I'm letting you know, it's not biblical truth, but just hear me out when you hear it, because there's a couple of things that I think support it. He thinks that when Jesus stooped down and began to write in the dust, he was writing the sins of the men that were holding the stones. And what I love about that is it says, as you see, when the accusers heard this, right, conviction, they slipped away <laughs> one by one. I can see right now, Bobby, or not Bobby, I'm sorry, sir. Billy, over here, we make up a name. There's nobody here named Billy, right? Billy's in here, and uh, he's like, um, uh, my wife, she calling me. I got to go. Meatloaf's ready. You know, as soon as you get like, just whoo, like people just start one by one slipping away because they're watching their sin written out. I thought it was interesting that it said it began with the oldest. Because here's what I know about sin is the older I get, the longer my list of sin gets. So the oldest would have had the longest list. If I could whistle, I'd do that like But here's why we need grace. Because when sin writes us off, grace writes us in. So why grace? Why do we need grace? Why do we need grace? I've told you for the past four weeks because you will never be able to fulfill the law. And it's the butt of Jesus. And every time your mistakes and your sins and your shortcomings tried to write you off, grace wrote you back in. Remember the, the, the day we talked about how the pause on your promise. God has a promise for your life. He has a promise for your kids. He has a promise for your marriage. He has a promise for everything in your life to be good. And when you sin, it doesn't stop. There's a pause. And the grace of God allows it to come back on and get right back in that promise. Because when sin tries to write you out, grace writes you in. That's why we need grace. So then why truth? Right? If we got grace... Do we really need truth? You know what I'm talking about? Like, if I got dessert, do I really need dinner? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I got dessert. And this was funny because this was the argument or the debate that Paul kept having to have with the church in Rome. Because this was there. I'm going to show you what it says in Scripture, but then I'm going to break it down to our language, all right? So it says in Romans 6.1, you have that? There we go. What shall we say then? And I love this. The church in Rome, he's kind of quoting the church of Rome. He says, shall we just go on sinning so that grace may increase? And I love this logic because this is my logic. And here's the logic. If grace is going to forgive me anyway, can I just go on sinning? And whenever I mess up, just hit the reset button? You know what I mean? And watch this. I love the, I love the church of Rome. Here's what they were saying. And technically, if, that, if I can do that, the worse I am, the worse I am, the greater God's grace is. <laughs> I'm going to go out and try to be bad so that the grace of God is even greater. I think this is the logic my children have. I'm convinced of it. They are so sure that an apology writes everything. And if, you, if you're like me, you struggle with that. I'm sorry, but are you? Because in five more minutes, I'll have you right back down here for yelling at your sister again. Are you really sorry? Are you, I just, are, are you really? Do you think that just the worse you are, the bigger apology you can get, the, the, right, the better hug you can give me, right? Oh, daddy, I'm really sorry now. Like, I ought to. But that was the process in our mind. If we got grace, why do we really need truth? 
Paul, in his own words, basically said this. Christ, through grace, did fulfill the law, but the law had a purpose. Like, like Christ fulfilled it, but notice he didn't do away with it because it had a purpose. And I'm going to show you, Galatians 3, what that purpose was, to give you just an example. It says, therefore, the law, right, because this was truth at the time, the law was our tutor, we're going to come back to that word, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So tutor, it's not the way we think of tutor. It's not the older girl or the older guy who sits down and walks you through algebra. That's not what this is, okay? In that, in that culture, a tutor normally was a slave that worked for the family, and they had one duty and one responsibility only. And that duty and that responsibility was once the kids got old enough to go to school, it was their responsibility to take that kid to school. Now, they didn't put them in the minivan and go through, you know, all, all the whole process of the carpool. It didn't work that way. They had to walk them. So literally, the tutor worked for the family, and the tutor, we'll just say at this time was a male, is walking with the kid because the kid is, who knows, however age you are when you go to kindergarten or first grade, and they will run off and get ran over and all the things our kids do, and they're walking them to school. His duty was to direct him to the teacher. The purpose of the law was to direct us to the teacher. It was to guide us to the lessons we needed to learn so that we could be better people. It had a purpose. Let me put it like this. We need grace to love us where we are. We need truth to make sure we don't stay there. Okay? I want grace to love me right where I am in the mistakes I make, but I want truth to help me be better. I want my kids to forgive me when I mess up as a parent but I want to learn and not do it again. See what I mean? I want that truth to get better. And I was thinking about this. Let me see that book real quick. I was thinking about this, and I was like, this will be a good illustration and a good way you'll remember it. How many of you have cookbooks at home? Anybody have cookbooks at home? Anybody? Three or four of you? I ain't coming to nobody else's house. Y'all don't cook. I got a McDonald's menu. I got that Chinese drive through menu. Okay, this is called a cookbook, millennials, okay? Um, this is what happened before Pinterest ever came on the game, okay? Before you had Pinterest, you had cookbooks. Now, my wife is a vegan, so this is a very unexciting cookbook, but um, it is what it is. And so here's what I, I, I actually enjoy cookbooks. Matter of fact, if you go to Barnes & Noble uh, at the right time, you might find me in the, in the recipe aisle just looking at cookbooks because they have pictures. You know what I mean? And so I'm just sitting over there, got the meat sweats, you know what I mean, just over there looking like, right, brother, brother feeling kind of hungry right now. And, and, and so I, this, is, this is my, let me give you this right here, sorry, brother. This, this is my favorite part of a cookbook right here. We can go through. There's a bunch of them. If y'all didn't have lunch, we would just sit here and talk about them. Matter of fact, if one of y'all have a house ready for about 100 people, we'll come over today and we can cook. Nope. Okay. Um, so here's the picture. And so here's what I tend to do with my wife. I tend to go, hey, babe, I want this. Right? Can you, can you make me this? And that's as big as my vocabulary gets. I can't tell you what it's called. She could say, is it a something? I don't know. That one. Well, that one. And because this is all I care about, this side is all gibberish to me. I don't even know why it's in the book. Here's my thought. You could have put another picture here. We didn't need all this information. I'm not 100% sure what a TBSP is. That sounds like an extra uh, TV station, a TBS. I don't know what that is. 
Um, you know, I mean, they start putting stuff on here that looks like Craigmont High School, and I don't want to go back there. So I don't even know what 450 Gs is. And, and that was, never mind, I can't tell you what that was in high school. But, uh, and, and so I don't really understand the process here. But, but here's the deal, and you know this. This is the recipe for how you get this, right? So you can't have this without this. You can want it. You can go, oh, man, it looks good. Oh, I can taste it right now. That's great. But unless you have this, you're just going to stand there looking at this, right? Watch. This is grace. This is truth. Grace is the picture of the redemption and the restoration that of the life we get to have in Jesus. But truth is the recipe on how we get there. And so many people want this without this. But here's the other thing. I don't care about this if I can't see this. So when we give grace without truth, we're looking at pictures with the inability to have it. When we look at truth without grace, we have the recipe but no desire for it. So it's why you have to have both grace and truth. Make sense? So let's put that down there for a second. Let's look at it like this. Well, I tell you, we'll go, we'll go back to scriptures. So Jesus, as he's speaking, teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. So you've got the concept now that you've got to have grace and you've got to have truth. You can't have grace without truth. You can't have truth without grace and then, well, you're losing me on my verse here. So Jesus, what he's going to end up doing, and it'll come up in a minute, but I'll take you through it. What he's going to end up doing is going to end up extending grace while affirming truth. Okay? He's going to extend grace and at the same time affirm truth. So here's what he says. He says, is there anybody here who has condemned you? And the woman says, nope. And he says, neither do I. That's him extending grace. Then he says, go and sin no more. That's him uh, affirming truth. So, so, so we have hope, but what we need is truth. So, so let, me, let me walk you through it. And Miss Samantha, I'm sorry, I messed you up on that. So let me walk you through real quick the recipe for truth, okay? Because here's where the question ends up going, is what is truth? What, what does that mean? We can say truth all day, but we know that to some people truth is different. Right? Because if we were honest with you, in, in the Bible, it talks about how the Pharisees added to the law. It was never in the law to stone her. They added to the law. And people tend to add things to truth, and they call it truth. You know, well, like, well you can't wear that to church. That's not truth. But people will treat it as truth. So what is truth? If you're going to walk in grace and truth, what is truth? actual truth. So let me take you through the recipe of truth, all right? Here we go. Number one, you have to take ownership that you are a sinner, okay? That's the very first recipe, very first step. You have to take ownership that you and I are sinners, Romans 3.23. Then you have to receive eternal life as a free gift. So I'm a sinner, then I receive life as a gift. That's Romans 6.23. Then you have to understand that God showed his love. He demonstrated his love while we were still sinners by bringing Jesus Christ to die for our sins. That's Romans 5.8. Then you have to trust and surrender to Jesus as Lord. 
okay? Romans 10, 9 through 10. Then you have to have assurance that you have salvation through Jesus. Romans 10, 13. They call that the Romans road to salvation. That's the recipe of truth. I put it up here for you. T-R-U-T-H. Funny how God works. Okay, truth. The only truth you ever need to be concerned about is that right there. That's the truth. When it says Jesus had grace and truth, he had forgiveness with this, that we are all sinners, that we all need the free gift of salvation, that God has showed that love through Christ, that we now surrender to Jesus as Lord, and as an example of that, or as a result of that, we have assurance of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the recipe for the picture that we've been preaching for four days, four weeks. The picture of grace, the picture of Jesus, the picture of all these things. That right there is the recipe. And you can't have the picture without the recipe. You need the recipe. It's truth. Hear me. We can't keep giving grace if we're not explaining truth. You can't keep telling your friends. Can't keep te- can't keep telling yourself. Another chance, another chance if you don't understand the truth. That's why Jesus extended grace and affirmed truth. Neither do I, but go and sin no more. Extended grace, affirmed truth. Watch this. Because Jesus knew that without grace, the woman had no hope. She was about to be stoned. She was about to be dead. So without grace, she had no hope. But without truth, she had no need to change. Here's the statement for that. If we minimize grace, we have no hope for salvation. If we minimize truth, we have no need for salvation. So truth tells people you need it. Grace tells people it's still there. You still got hope. It's available. The other day, I just wanted to hang out with Casey Ray. I've talked to y'all a lot about Veda, hanging out with Veda. I wanted to hang out with Casey Ray, my three-year-old. And she is a hoot. You should volunteer for kids' ministry and get to watch her. It'd be great. Um, and so we sat down to color. And I'm, I'm, I'm real, like, uh, I'm a real perfectionist when it comes to coloring, if you know what I mean. So I don't do it often because it just makes me angry. Because you don't ever want to, like, you color out the lines. You're like, ah, you tear out the paper and throw in the trash. Like, it's stupid. You know, Elsa, ugh. And she's over there, and she's just having a blast, and she's coloring, and she's having, I'm watching her, and I'm all frustrated and focused, you know, my picture, and I'm watching her, and she's having a blast. And so I'm like, you know what, let me get over and go see what she's coloring. So I go over, and I look at her coloring page, and this is what it looked like, okay? This is what her uh, coloring page looked like. Let me get out the way. I said, hmm, okay. Now I see why you're having so much fun, right? But you know what I didn't do is I didn't yell at her. I didn't go, are you kidding me? You see this right here? These are his pants. These should be blue because that's the way they are on the cover of the coloring book. And this red, I don't even know what this is. What is this? This is, are you, what are you, a baby? Like, I, I didn't do that process on her, right? Because if I'd have done that, she would have had no hope of ever coloring again. Like, this is not even fun. I'm not doing this some more, anymore. But, let's be honest, church, if, if I don't teach her how to color, what if she's 22 years old and she's sitting at college in a dorm room 
and she's coloring in a coloring book, which would be awkward anyway. Just go with me. And this is her coloring page. Now y'all think something's wrong with her, right? Because if she's 22, she should have learned how to color in the lines. So it's important for me to sit down beside her and say, hey, this is beautiful. This is, this is great. Like This is going on the refrigerator beside the other complete mess you made. But let me just, let me just show you something, baby. See, see these dark lines here? That's where the color is supposed to stop. I know you don't, I know you don't want rules and regulations because you're over here having a blast. But you could do better. You, you could do, it could look so much better if you just, let me just, let me just show you. Hold on, let me put my hand, let me just, hey, right here, see right here? See, see, right here. Because if I'm mean to her and I yell at her, or better yet, if I don't show any grace, she has no hope to keep coloring. But if I'm not teaching her and truthful to her, she has no need to want to be better. See what I mean? So we're coloring. I'm proud to say we made some progress. Watch this. We made some progress. Once I taught her through the line, there we go, right there. It is not Veda's. Veda decided to write her name on there uh, to claim it. But that, we made some progress here. And, and, and I love this because after I decided I was going to do this illustration, I felt the Lord tell me, that's what your progress looks like, Troy. But what I love about my God is he still puts that on his refrigerator because he's so happy about the progress. Oh, Troy, you used to color red. You used to have some messed up lines yesterday. <laughs> I thought I was going to say 10 years ago, right? Yesterday. But it's that truth that makes me get better, 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 better. Oh, I'm supposed to, okay. Because I don't want grace without truth. And I don't want truth without grace. And one of the best ways I ever heard it was by Pastor Chris Hodges. And this is what he said. Grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is just mean. But grace and truth together are medicine. We started this series talking about Jesus and how he's so irresistible. So why, why was he so irresistible? What was it? What was it about Jesus? What, what was his message? What do we need to learn from him? Why, why was he so irresistible? And, and I found it, church. I found, I found the reason. All these verses, 66 books in the Bible. I found the reason. Ready? It's in John chapter 1. Thank you, John. Verse 14. Watch this. The Word, which is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's not halfway grace or halfway truth. He's full to the top, overflowing of grace and truth. He's the picture and he's the recipe. He's the grace that you can do better and he's the lesson on how to get there. It's grace and truth. And church, this is what we're going to be as a church, a church of grace and truth, full of grace. We're going to show our butts. No? Okay. Thought I might get, uh, maybe a real, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
We're going we're to show it. God, let us tell people. Let us tell them. It's not, has nothing to do with how good you are, but, but because you're his. Grace, grace, grace. And then let us be truth. Here's what Romans says. You've got to believe that Christ, as you say, he is the only way to heaven. He's the only way. And when you claim, when, when, when you uh, accept him as your Lord and your Savior, and then by assurance of Christ's sacrifice, that's the truth that's with the grace. Amen? Do me a favor. Would you stand with me for a moment? And it's back to you, brother. <clears throat> a couple things before we close. Um, number one, in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're in here and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And it's going to be an incredible opportunity because I just showed you through Romans why it's important. And I'm already telling you about the grace that says it was never about your performance. It was never about works. It was about Jesus dying on the cross for you. But the Bible is very clear that you have to understand that and accept him. Accept him. I wish I, if I had the gift out from last week. So a gift works this way. I can get you a gift, but until you receive it, it's not yours. Christ's grace was a gift. The truth is you receiving it. So I'm going to give you that opportunity in a minute. But along with that, if you over these past four weeks or, or even eight months have recommitted your life to God or committed your life to God, you've accepted that grace, we want to come alongside of you. We want to help with truth. And so in, in our tent, when you go outside, there's a tent in the lobby. And we've got a few already today. We're going to continue to have more. Um, what we, this is a little book. Comes with some, comes kind of, it's called a believer's workbook. And then it's got some information about small groups because we as a church want to help you with the truth part. The truth part. It's not just I raise my hand and you become a number. It's all right, what do I do from now? What do we do from, from now on? And we've told you multiple times as a church, we want to walk with you. We want to do that through small groups and discipleship. We want to do that through this book where you can answer information. We want you to come and serve and be on a dream team and find your family and be able to look and see the progress that God's made. Next week, I'm going to talk about Vision Sunday. I'm going to show you some of the progress we've made as a church over eight months. Progress of God. So if that's you, and after we end service, if you want to stop by that tent and grab that, they don't know what you're asking for. Just say, hey, Pastor Troy talked about a book. They'll know. They'll put it in your hands. It's free. Take it. Your tithes have already paid for it. Thank you again for being a tithing and faithful church. We don't ever want to try to avoid making you pay for anything. So take that. If we run out, we'll get more. But we want to make sure to have the truth with the grace. Amen. So do me a favor, for one moment, close your eyes. If you're in this place and you've never received, never committed your life to Jesus, you never received the gift of his salvation, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. The Bible talks about believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth. The opportunity for you to make kind of a public uh, acknowledgement that you would like to accept Christ as your Savior. And then we're just going to pray for you. We're not going to bust you out. and We'd love to celebrate with you. But what an opportunity for you to accept the truth that is Jesus Christ. So if you're in here and you've never committed your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand real quick? Just real quick. I'm, I'm watching. I just want to have this opportunity. All right. Secondly, if you want to recommit your life to God, maybe at one point you committed your life to Jesus. Maybe you were a baby. Maybe you were young. And now it's kind of new. You've been away from church. You've come back. If that's you, raise your hand. I just want to know. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
We come to you right now, Jesus, so thankful for your grace and for your truth. We're thankful for those who are recommitting their life to you. And I pray, God, that they would hang on to that truth, that that gift of you on the cross, that salvation gift, it's free, free for them to receive. As Paul teaches in Romans, it's that free gift, and they have the assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. I pray you'd give us the opportunity to walk with them, to help them with the truth aspect, and that, God, you would continue to build this church to impact this community with both grace and truth. We thank you, Lord. Come on, just begin to thank him. We thank you, Lord, for the grace, for the grace, God, that you've given us. We thank you for the but in our life. We thank you that it's not about what we've done. It's about whose we are. It's not about how dirty we are, but it's about how righteous you are, God. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. I thought it'd be good to... We're going to close out a series on the grace of God. What an opportunity it would be to take a moment, just a moment, and to thank him for his grace. So listen to me right now. Over the past five weeks, you've been eye open to the grace of Jesus. We're going to take a second and thank him. But I also want to say this. I just feel this on my heart. If you're in here and you know there's somebody in your life that needs to hear about the grace of Jesus. I want to ask that you begin to pray for them right now. That God would give you the opportunity to share with them the grace that is Jesus Christ. We pray right now for every name, every family member, every friend, every co-worker, God, that you're putting in people's hearts right now. We pray that we get the opportunity to share your gospel with them. I pray they would take that truth and, Lord, they would speak it to them with grace, not just alone, but with grace and that they begin to see the fruit of salvation of the people in their lives. Thank you, Lord. Now with that, let's take a moment and let's begin to thank him for who he is, for what he's done, for the grace in our life. Hallelujah.